Welcome back to Out of the Rough Golf. We got a, a small crew tonight. It's uh, just me and Kid. Um, also, it's uh, better late than never for our Masters recap. Uh, we had a bit of a, you know, a few things to navigate for this podcast. Um, we were at a wedding over Masters weekend, so we obviously didn't get to watch as much coverage as we would have liked, but um, nonetheless... Uh, we definitely watched our fair share of the Masters and uh, got to watch the uh, the back nine for sure uh, on Sunday and watch DJ bring it home. And uh, yeah, you know, uh, it's coming a little late because we had to travel and get back to uh, Austin and some technical difficulties as well. Yeah, the uh, pod equipment wasn't... Um, exactly working how it should be working because we did plan on doing a pod while we were out of town but uh just never got around to it but uh we are back we're set up it's wednesday night after the masters the rsm starts starts tomorrow um don't need to talk about that but uh yeah so coming to you a little late hopefully everyone's not too uh mastered out if you will but uh i yeah. think if there's one major that people aren't ever out on or burnt out on it'd be the masters for most people yeah i think uh that's pretty but correct. yeah they've gotten their fill of commentary on it um but i think we i don't we honestly watched more of the masters than i had anticipated we would have while out of town so i actually feel like i have a pretty good handle on how the tournament went and you know what what kind of what the takeaways from it are but i think the the major takeaway is that <coughs> we got a deserving champion yeah, I don't think there's much more deserving of a champion. Um, uh, he, Dustin Johnson, he took it home um, with extraordinary fashion. The closest guy to him was five strokes behind him. And, uh, you know, it, it It was about time he got that second mat, or that second major under his belt. I think everyone knew it was a matter of time, um, just like his first major. But he's been knocking at the door at so many of these that, you know, it was only a matter of time. And it was an important one for him, too, as well, as uh, you don't really see DJ getting choked up or emotional about any of his victories. He's pretty stoic, but he started kind of breaking down a little bit on the, uh, yeah, after the aftermath of the, the tournament. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I thought it was cool to see that. I had a feeling that he was going to be emotional about the Masters. Um, he's expressed that it was... Uh, an important one to him and that it was the one that, you know, he always wanted to get. So that's cool for him. Um, I'm glad he got it. It definitely puts him in another realm, you know, kind of where he deserved to be in my opinion. Um, yeah. I, I think his caliber of player still is underachieving at two majors. You really kind of think of DJ, you know, in the realm of him winning, you know, every <laughs> single year for the last 13, 14 years and having, I don't know what how many wins he has now, but it's got to be over 20. It's um, uh, 24 wins. Yeah. I mean, to me, I feel like when it's all said and done, he should have four majors at least. Yeah, I think he'll, uh, I think, uh, I think he'll be there. I think, I think he definitely is going to get one more. Um, I think he could get up to, you know, five to seven if he just starts rattling these, these things off. If, you know, winning the masters gives him that, what, that much more you know confidence closing these tournaments out you know he's been contention at so many and probably should have won more than he has but 
you know, maybe winning this one, the one he wanted so much, um, kind of will make him start winning more. I mean, he was just in contention at the PGA. Like, he had the 54-hole yeah. lead. Like, he probably should have won that one. And He's definitely been – he's had his hot streaks this year. He had them toward the beginning of the year, early in the season, and he had that lull for a little while. And then he got some form again toward the end of the, the season before the Tour Championship. And uh, it looks like he kind of maintained form a little bit during that lull period before the Masters. Yeah, and I mean, if you can say anyone is feeling it, you know, it's probably the no world number one and, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this last time the world number one won the Masters was in 2002 at Tiger, so it, it just goes to show that no matter how good of a player you are or how dominant you are on the world stage, it's still tough to break out a major win even when <coughs> you're number one, so... Uh, an impressive win by him. Lots of records broken, but I think that's more a testament to the the tournament being run right now in November and the soft conditions versus DJ played phenomenally, clearly, because he won by five strokes, but the course was definitely out there for the taking. Um, Thursday, you never saw a ball move once it hit a green. It was just stuck in place, and you, know, you had the lowest... Um, scoring at the Masters. Um, you saw the tide for the lowest score in relation to par for a major. Um, Cameron Smith scoring the first ever four consecutive rounds in the 60s at a Masters. Sung J.M. had the first uh, or the lowest score for a debut appearance at the Masters. So a slew of records that kind of got put up there because of the circumstances. <clears throat> yeah, and <clears throat> that's just kind of a testament to the conditions. Um, it definitely played easier than it does in April, but there was nothing they could do about it though. No. And I think everyone's glad that they did it. And I don't think anyone's going to look at DJ like, Oh, like, you know, you shouldn't have won that major. Someone else should have won. Like, you know, he won by five strokes. No. It's yeah. D it's DJ. Like everybody knows how fucking good he is. Like he has 24 wins on tour. He's been in contention at many of these. He was just in contention at the PGA championship. I think out of anybody that could have won the tournament and you use that like argument as an asterisk, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying if anybody is doing that, it's the absolute worst person you want winning the tournament yeah. if you want to make that argument. No, of course. I think we actually kind of got lucky that it was DJ that won it. Yeah. Um, as far as the scoring record goes and, you know, Cam sit, can all the other records can kind of be – chalked up in that argument if you wanted to make that argument i mean um, you're not gonna hear me talking shit about sung jay <laughs> i i don't i didn't think i would but uh yeah i think they'll just be like oh yeah that was the masters in in november like i don't think anyone's gonna think any less of it but i think you know if someone were to go shoot you know in the 60s four rounds in a row like cameron smith did in April, I think it would be taken a little more seriously and people would think a lot more of it. Yeah, we'd be talking more about how there might be an asterisk if something, if someone like Cam Smith or Dylan Fratelli, who is T5, or CT Pan, who is T7, knocked off this win. You might have even heard people kind of talk shit if Rory had knocked this one out and just be like, oh, Rory winning another soft major kind of yeah. thing. I mean, once again, he fucking backdoored into a top five somehow. Um, I mean, 75 is what killed him on Thursday, but mm -hmm. every single day from there, he shot 66, 67, 69. So 
I wouldn't I wouldn't say he backdoored in. He was just he just started really far back after Thursday and was kind of consistently climbing his way back in. He didn't like sneak yeah. In. He just always finds a way to fucking. It seems I don't really know how often it is, but in my head it feels like he just always messes up on the first round in majors, like he did it at Portrush. He's rarely ever you know sitting on a fifty four hole lead or sitting close to the lead on a, after fifty four holes. The last one that I can honestly remember is the Masters with Patrick Reed, where he was in the last group with them, and he, he was still back by two shots or something like that. But that was the last time I really felt like he was like, okay, this is Rory's to take. He's always like kind of within earshot like you'd be like oh Rory's only four back on Sunday he might go crazy and get in there but he ends up usually shooting like something in the high 60s and sneaking in a top 10 or something like that so I was hoping for a win from him but kind of back to what Ryan said on the previous podcast like if there's a time for me to be like super stoked for Rory to get out his grand slams it it's it's with the crowd there and yeah having that moment for him (laughs) to like really celebrate so I uh, think I think he deserves that too. Like if he's going to do it, he deserves to have the fans there and kind of have that walk off 18 kind of like tiger winning last year. Like Roy deserves that like huge, you know, audience for his grand slam. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and not to mention it'll be quite a while since he's won a major. So just him winning a major in general again, and it being the masters would be a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, just to kind of give DJ his due diligence that he deserves from this. Um, Dustin Johnson played fucking incredibly. I mean, it wasn't the coolest um, conditions to watch with how soft and and wet it was for so many days. But I mean, (laughs) Dustin Johnson, T to green gained 13.8 strokes combined with his driver and his approach shots against the field. 13.8. Yeah, he was hitting some fairways. One of the days, I can't remember which day, he hit 14 out of 14 fairways. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, he he had complete command over his golf ball. I mean, we talked about on the previous podcast, like, he's played well here. Like, he's consistently played well here. It was honestly just a matter of time for him to knock this thing out. And if there's a way for him to do it, it was going to be like this. It's when he just coasts into a win where he's pretty much at a comfortable arm's length away from everyone the entire time. That's where I feel like he thrives the best when he's kind of going into Sunday tie with someone else. That's like when I feel like he doesn't know what to do, whether he's supposed to put his foot on the gas or if he's supposed to sit back and wait for someone to make a mistake. Yeah. I mean, T2 last year, with I'm, like five other guys. Yeah, but still like he's been right in the mix at this tournament. Um I think he could win in April if I'm being honest. Oh yeah, I think he should easily be the favorite for it, especially yeah. with Bryson just completely shooting the bed, which was he was the favorite going into this yeah. one. It would be cool to see him win in April just because uh, I mean he's not the guy I'm rooting for the most to win it. I'm just saying like I think it would be cool. I would be down with that. Yeah, and I think there's less argument to make that like oh you know it's back to back Masters so you have like more of a hot streak going. Well, it's like yeah, but there's a bigger distance between now and April than there would be from April to the next major the following year. You know. Yeah, and and it would be a different course. Like it would be back to April Augusta. It would be cool to see DJ freaking win win in those conditions just to you know, put his foot down and just be like, okay, now people can't even, if they wanted to say that kind of deal. 
and then it would just be another thing be like okay now he's at three majors and it's been you know a tiny amount of time like you know he'll be right there with brooks and rory in no time yeah yeah it's uh It'll be it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. I mean, I think this was an interesting Masters in general. I think there was a a lot of good things to take away from it. I think there was a lot of things that you know left a lot to be desired, but most of it outside of Augusta's control. And for me, it was nice seeing rounds played at Augusta, considering it had been so long. And you know, the course is a cool course. It just wasn't playing the way that it's designed to be played, but. There were still exciting moments. I mean, some good, some bad. I mean, we watched, you know, Tiger shoot a tw- on a shoot a twelve or a, wait, a no, 10. A, t- a ten on twelve, um, which was is just remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Well, I doubt it's his first one ever, but first one on like tour, I'd have scored. I mean, if you had told me that Tiger had shot a septuple bogey before, I would have been like, really? <laughs> yeah. So. um yeah, I mean, pretty unprecedented in the sense of uh, what we've seen. I mean, we've seen Carnage at 12 before, but that's definitely at its own level there. Septuple bogey. Yeah, but he did come in he after that followed with five it up or with, six birdies. Yeah, five remember. or six. He had hit five birdies and six holes coming in. Yeah. Which is pretty damn impressive. But, I mean, that's kind of Tiger's style is that he's kind of like Spieth in that way where it's like, man, there's just flashes of greatness in there. And then you see just huge collapses. So, yeah. I mean, not the best from Tiger, but, you know, at the end of the day, like, Tiger's going to do Tiger things. Like, he's going to either kind of fall out or he's going to do something incredible. I think that as far as Tiger goes, I think that there is going to be a tournament every once in a while that he – his body is feeling okay and he can get in the, get in contention against guys. And if he takes it home, he might, he might not, but I think that's what you're going to be seeing from him. Yeah. I think, I think people need to appreciate those moments when they come around be like, Hey, this is, this isn't going to be happening all the time. Like really appreciate that you're getting this moment now Mm -hmm. and that the stars are lying for it to happen. I think he would be the first one to kind of, point out that like he's not the player he used to be mm-hmm. and that like there a lot of things need to kind of line up for him for you to get you know a 2019 masters out of him um there was moments during this week or um, not this week but last week for the masters that you could see him kind of like falling back into that 2019 kind of form for you know a few whole stretch or a portion of the day and then being like oh maybe something happens here i mean he was four under after the first day like within he was like mm-hmm. teeth he was, right in, he, he was right in. He was right in there. Yeah, yeah. You were thinking like, oh, maybe he his Augusta will keep being his playground, mm-hmm. and he might be in there on Sunday. And then he just didn't. He couldn't put it into gear I mean, with everyone else. You could sustain even, over time. I I don't know where he finished exactly, but uh, I mean, with that t thirty eight, he yeah. finished at one under for the tournament. But let's say you take away that, was it five o? 10 on the, the, a seven the, the, the seven over, over would have and put him at a 69 six birdies after that let's say you even make that a bogey he would have that'd be five under and how many birdies did he have he would have shot us if he had if he had turned that set tuple bogey into a par he would have shot 69 
what, but basically if he were to go from minus one and give him those seven shots back and get a par, he would have been at minus eight and that would have put him at T 13th with Abraham answer, Hideki, Kevin, Na, Mark Leishman ahead of Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantlay, Tommy Fleetwood, some big names. Like he would have not been in the top 10, but he would have been T 13. Yeah. So I was just curious. About yeah. That. But so I mean, if if that were his result, if he would have just parred that. Who knows if he would have made those five birdies right after it? So this that's is a, that's just a really like, that's a really good point, yeah. for sure. But let's because that kind of like frees you up to in a way where like I don't give a fuck if I'm going at all these pins because you're like I'm already out of this. Yeah. That being said, like two of those holes might as well be free birdies with 13 and 15, but it's the other ones that he birdied that are like oh wow, especially with 16 not being a funnel pin on Sunday, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Um. I get that you can't have a funnel pin like three days straight or whatever it was. Um, but it was interesting for them putting it back there. It doesn't quite have the excitement that uh, you would have come to expect. Yeah, everyone wants to see that hole-in-one on Sunday. But, yeah, that shit. That- we got plenty of hole-in-ones on the 16th sixteenth <laughs> hole this week. Though, yeah, I mean, with- Roms was the skip one was cool, and then he obviously got a hole-in-one pr- the day or the day after the day before during a practice yeah. round but then we had another hole-in-one i think at 16 i can't remember who it was though but we had another hole-in-one um but yeah i mean tiger you know we'll, we'll see what we get from him it'll be interesting to see how you know he plays um next year i don't think the ma- the major locations for him are all that great next year but i don't think they're all that great for him this year either i mean TPC Harding Park didn't really feel like his place needed what did Wingfoot mm. uh, and Augusta's Augusta. But I think, honestly, with the soft, wet conditions this this year during November, doesn't really play into his hand either. He thrives in tougher conditions and firm greens and needing great touch and great reading and putting. And I think a soft, long golf course doesn't really play to his advantage. I think it plays as the advantage of someone like DJ and Rory. And Definitely. I think the scores show that. That being said, I'm very impressed by someone like Cameron Smith, who you wouldn't expect to play well at this He's event. Going, that kid is going to win a green jacket. It he feels always like plays it. well at Augusta. And he's he still super young. Well. Yeah, still super young. He's going to get one for sure. It might. Who knows if it's going to be like a Sergio green jacket, but like... I mean, he's only <laughs> he, he's only 27. I think he's, he's going to play in at least 10 more Masters. Like... Yeah, I I think he's gonna get a green jacket as well. I think it's yeah, a he, chance. He, you just have to hope that he is able to stay in the top fifty or get invited back. Yeah, I mean, it. it the next thing is, it, is what does golf turn into? Does he keep having a place in the game with him not being exceptionally long? Yeah, um, and courses continue to be kind of these Parkland soft golf courses where someone like. Rory and John Rahm thrive, but not so much. The well, he could go play on over in Europe and a different style of golf over there and stay in the top 50 in the world. That's true. Um, I mean, I'll just speak briefly on the boy Sungjae. I mean, it's his, at the end of the day, I, I can acknowledge that it was a soft Masters and for him to hold the record now for the lowest debut round at the Augusta like okay you can put like a minor asterisk on that because of the conditions but it was still his first time ever being at no, Augusta. I think I think it was a great showing like I, you can't like uh people that go keep going back to like the conditions and stuff it's like he still got a t second and shot 15 under you know and I'm pretty sure like 
the scoring like average if you take DJ out of it, like I don't think it's too much different than it normally is. I don't know for sure. It, it, but it like, was still significantly significantly lower than 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 normal. Um that that all being said, it doesn't change the fact that you still had to hit the shots that you needed to. Augusta still had its teeth. There was still ways that you could put up big numbers out there. Um, you know, Tiger aside, someone that we haven't spoken about too much this this podcast, but DeChambeau, like, he didn't get it done at Augusta. I think he lost to himself. Like, I, I said he wasn't going to win this tournament, and I didn't think he was going to, but I did think he was going to be in the mix in this tournament, and he just wasn't. I think, you know his antics beforehand like talking shit about the like this the par of this course is 67 or whatever and or the par of this course for me is 67 if that's and the case in the first round you shot f- three over the next round you shot seven over the next round you shot two over and the next round you shot six over way to go Bryson. yeah <laughs> par 67 but yeah I, I think him saying shit like that just kind of made his own bed. Like he's he, he now he's putting weight on his shoulders that he didn't need uh, to be there. Didn't need to be there. You're but already he's so used to, to lifting weight right now, dude. Yeah, he's trying to get like more intense, like, like metaphorically like, and psychologically bulk. Yeah. Uh, he's like, oh man, I said it was going to be a par sixty-seven for me, so I have to birdie these holes. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think he defeated himself by being kind of a mental midget out there. Yeah, and just not not quite being what he needed to be um, between the ears. And you know, the thing that people love pointing out right now is, you know, Bernard Longer beat him, and it's just to prove that like the distance debate isn't really an issue. It's like he—that's the dumbest. We'll see what happens in April. He could go fucking destroy Augusta, and we'd all be like, "Oh, well, fuck. I guess he can do it." It's well, like, and it's just so funny that you like are cherry picking two guys in like one circumstance. Was like, well, did you look at the guy who won the tournament? Like, yeah. And also the other part being is like, how about Bernhard Longer and Bryson well, now mean, play every single event together and we'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. Well, and like, if you look at the top 10 of the tournament, we got fucking DJ, we got Rory, we got Kepka, we got Ron. Dylan Fratelli, who put on fucking speed recently. Yeah. Um, Justin Thomas, who we'll get to here in a second, like, who's also pretty fucking long. It, it's not... You know, the only people on here that are that are in the top ten that aren't particularly long is you know Webb and Cam Smith and CT Pan. Like everyone else is pretty damn long. So, um, you know, props to Abraham Answer. I mean, he played a pretty phenomenal week up until he Sunday. Killed himself on Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, kind of the same, the usual suspects you tend to see playing pretty well in Augusta. I mean, Mark Leishman, once again, kind of doing his thing at Augusta. Yeah. That's good um, to see. I'm a little bit disappointed in the, uh, the finishes for Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay. I think we kind of predicted they would be locks for top tens and they kind of I mean, caught I right on the outside. I had a I had bet. I had money on both of them to make a top 10 and they let me down there. Yeah. I mean, I would have been in great shape if they both would have top 10 for our fantasy league, which we'll cover on the back half of this podcast. But, uh, yeah, really tough showings for them on the weekend. 71-70 for Xander Shoffley and 73-72 for Patrick Cantlay. 
Xander really, really kind of shit the bed on Friday with a 73. So they both shot 281, and you just know they got way more out there. Like, they, they could be doing way more. Um, speaking of someone, though, who did get the most out of their Augusta appearance and did the best they've done out there, old Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, me this and, is... Th- me and Ryan were lobbying hard for him in the pre-Masters podcast. Yeah, and I think... This is exactly what I expected out of him. Uh, as he's continued to trend at the Masters and get more time in, he's slowly chipped away at getting incrementally better there, slowly but surely. I mean, and I don't remember exactly what you're. You would just you were saying that a win would be. We don't have to go back down the fluky fucking. Rabbit I, I, I said it would be. I would, I said a win there would be kind of fluky for him to 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 pull it off, considering that he had never top tened. He's never shown consistent good form there. And even though he's played really great golf as of recently, as Bryson has shown, that doesn't mean you're a shoe-in for a win. And that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win it. If you've had great recent form and you've had good success at that tournament in the past, like DJ, then lo and behold, you you win it. And I'm the one who called DJ to, to do the best. So there's certain things to kind of take into focus to make the, the right calls in this. And, at this point now, I'm comfortable in saying that like Justin Thomas will win the Masters and it will make sense for him to win the Masters because he's incrementally gotten further and further up that leaderboard. Did I think he was going to get fourth? No. Did I think he was going to get a top 10? Likely so, or at least getting close to it. But did I think he was going to win? No. Yeah, I mean, all I was saying is that I didn't think... it. I wouldn't have thought if he won, he he's had a good season. Like I didn't think it was, would have been fluky is all I was saying. And I get that you defined what you meant by fluky in that podcast. And I'm not trying to go back into it, but yeah, it should also be kind of stated that this is also probably a better conditioned Augusta for him as well, that he plays better on the softer parkland conditions. He tends to win in limited field events like WGCs and it just, Whenever you get kind of, whenever Justin Thomas gets to an extremely firm, difficult golf course with strong fields, whether it's somewhere like Riviera or if it's at one of the Opens, he hasn't played phenomenally well. And I'm not here to chastise him or make him out to be worse than he is because he's a phenomenal world class golf golfer and possibly I would probably put him in the top three best players on the planet. Um, it, it really just comes down to he hasn't shown at Augusta, and I think this tournament shows that he is understanding that place, especially tee to green, um, on how he needs to play it. It's a matter of now seeing how he does with firm conditions in April and kind of the traditional Augusta that we were familiar with. But Justin Thomas can and probably will win the Masters, and this week just shows that he's making progressive steps um, to get there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he'll probably get one at some point, um, but who knows? I think Rory is a perfect testament to that, that it can be hard to get one. I mean, listen listen to this. Um, Justin Thomas in 2016 got T39th for his first debut at Augusta. In 2017, he got T22nd. In 2018, he got T17th. At 2019, he got T12th. And in 2020, he got fourth. He's never done worse than the year before. I so, think that could 
potentially change in April, but we'll see. I mean, yeah, he now only has three spots yeah. left that he can go into. But you can see that like he is trending toward he's slowly learning and getting more comfortable there. And to me, this is exactly what someone would kind of point to to be like, this is no longer even slightly fluky. He's like showing these progressive steps. Did I think like jumping from a T12 to a win without like, you know, with shaky Sundays, it would have been stranger. But, you know, I think it's in the bag for him. I think he can do it. And I'm formally saying that if he won the Masters, it would no longer be <laughs> fluky. And all it took was a, a strong four, four, <laughs> solo fourth of the Masters. Yeah, I guess me and Ryan were just there a little sooner than you were, and that's kind of a testament to Justin Thomas, I guess, since I'm not a huge guy that likes JT that much. But Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, just kind of rolling down this leaderboard, if there's anyone to really call out, you know, a really quiet week from Brooks, like not a whole lot, a lot of talk about him. Nobody really <laughs> talked to her. He never even got that much um, – you know, broadcast time really either. Like he got some things shown, but he didn't really talk much this week. And um, yeah, it was just kind of like an interesting week of him flying under the radar. Yeah. I mean, he top 10 in a major, like he was in, in the mix in a major per usual. Um, was he in the mix? Because, I mean, you talk about how Rory backdoored into a higher finish than Brooks. Like, if Roy was in the mix, was Brooks in the mix? Fair point. But I, I just think the fact that Rory shot that 75 on Thursday just in my head made me be like, okay, he's not going to do this. Yeah, I, I feel you. And I the fact that Brooks was like, okay, we got ourselves a two under. Or no, we got ourselves a one under. Wait. What did he shoot? Ten under. He shot ten under. He shot seventy, sixty nine, two under, two under, three hundred, three hundred, two, two yeah. under. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he was progressively like going up the leaderboard as opposed to like he Rory had a more did the same thing. He had a more but consistent further game. behind. Yeah. He just had a he had a week Thursday, but then he shot sixty six, sixty seven, sixty nine. So like, Rory's rounds progressively got worse, but still found his way into you know, a, uh, a T five. So, I mean, if anything, like he kind of like slowed down into his Sunday and like, it was less of like a speed up back tour, more of like a, he was so far back on Thursday that people just stopped thinking about him. But then he went out and just kind of went crazy on Friday. Um, yeah. He, to make the cut. Yeah. Speaking of someone who made the cut on the number with a long putt, Jordan Spieth, the golden boy. I wouldn't crack a smile right now. That was a pretty rough watch. Um, yeah, this I is mean, a place not... that we talk about him being at, still comfortable even when things are bad. And uh, I'm I'm going to go down the road where it was not the normal Augusta on this one. Oh wow! So cherry picking that this isn't cherry picking how you choose the asterisk <laughs> the Augusta. Uh, well, to, let me the let me let me give my argument. Okay, Jordan is a guy that uses his short game to crutch his game. And in Augusta is a course that I think anyone will say the greens are tough and around the greens are super tough as well. Like mm -hmm. this week, that was a little easier. Like, you know, there was a little bit of a cushion. People were, you know, able to play shots. They normally aren't able to play there. 
so uh, the greens were a little, you know, easier to put on. Um, I'm not saying that DJ isn't deserving. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that Jordan gets an advantage when, you know, it's more difficult and he can lean on that more than others or that'll let him shine through more than others. Um, uh, do I think, you know, it would have changed the outcome for him this week if it was in April? Probably not, but. You know, I like to think that, and we'll see in April. We'll see in April, yeah. I mean, it was his worst finish he's ever had in a Masters, and I, I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. He's been playing the worst golf we've seen from him, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a long three years. It's It's been a really long three years for Spieth fans out there, and, you know, I think a lot of people are kind of transitioning their way through these stages of grief. And some people are at different stages than others. I think for me, I'm at kind of the bargaining stage where I'm just sort of like, I'll give, I'll give you guys anything just to have speed back. I mean, I'll, (laughs) I'll I'll do whatever you guys want because I'm desperate right now. I golf isn't as fun when speed isn't in the mix. Like I, I still think back to that 2018 Masters when he was charging down Patrick Reed and just going oh ballistic. Like the, I don't think there's been. I still have fonder memories of that than than most of the majors that have happened since. That was a particularly. And he didn't even win. That was a particularly fond Masters of me, not because Patrick Reed won, but Ricky was also doing really well and got a second that Masters. So Spieth was making his charge, Ricky was doing really well, and. It was just and a fun, when they had fun, a chance to stop a fun back nine, and he, they had a, they were in the hunt to possibly stop Patrick like the, the the villain of yeah. golf from from winning that that major. So it's you know it was interesting. It was a it was it was the most engaged I had been in a major, pretty much tied up with Tiger's twenty nineteen Masters, and I don't think anything else was was really that close. Um and I'm not even the Except biggest Masters Spieth's fan. Open. You, yeah, but th- that was before oh, that I year. Know. I'm just saying that was Yeah. Yeah. So Speeth just brings the fucking excitement, man. When he's on, he's fucking awesome to watch. Yeah, he does. He definitely does. I mean, that Burkdale win that Sunday is possibly my favorite major stretch of this of last decade. Yeah. Um, I I yeah I think it is. I think that I, about the twenty tens. I think that major that back nine on Sunday is the most entertaining golf that I saw that decade. Like that between him and Matt Kuchar, the go get that the blown ball by the the driving range, him almost acing the hole after that. Like that yeah I gotta go back and watch Burkdale again. Like that 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 open was so fun. Like that's peak golf to me. Yeah, I mean that's that's why everyone wants him to fucking play well. Like he, well, and I think awesome. just uh, that's just I wish we had an open this year too, because I just think Lynx Golf just brings something out too, and certain players, and it's yeah. just such exciting style of golf. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think everyone's hoping for for Spieth, um, to come back besides Ryan, and uh, you know it it's been dark, man. 
and we're, we're hoping it's sooner rather than later because there's just really not any strong signs of of life right now with him dude i'm i'm on the board or i'm on the fucking train that he needs to go to gankus I'm I'm he open to I'm huge, open to anything at this point. He needs a huge fucking just flip in his game. It's already in the dumps, so who cares if you make a massive change? Um I don't know. I got a couple guys that I want you to talk about and um <laughs> you can take your time because they're probably not in the uh the most positive of light, but uh most people will be pretty happy with the T7, but um, I think bringing up Rom? I think we need to talk about Rom. That's I mean I was gonna bring him up if you didn't. Um, yeah, I mean I had high high hopes for him going into this. I still think he you know played you know he started off really well Friday and Saturday or Thursday and Friday he played really well. He did, and uh, just kind of lost it on the weekend. Um, yeah, he he. I think he got in his head, especially after that fucking three wood into the woods. Um, yeah. Yeah. He I, made some poor decisions. He definitely mm-hmm. made some kind of frustrated, aggressive, and impatient decisions that he thought he could kind of dig himself out of quickly, and he didn't play disciplined golf. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, he just didn't play. He played how I thought he would you know, Thursday and Friday, and then just fucked yeah. it up on the weekend. I, I don't really know what else to say about that. Um, a T7 is still good. Um, I think he'll be right back in the mix in April. Um, but, yeah, I think he'll continue to play good golf all, all this new season of the PGA Tour. I think he'll be – Yeah. I think he's going to get back to world number one. Like, I stay in that boat. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how how long do you how long do you plan to wait? When do you think he's going to be back to no, world number one? I I'm with DJ being I'm done making these things with Rom. <laughs> I I'm saying that he's going to be world number one, and I think he's the best golfer right now. Really, I, you think he's the best golfer right now? I think he I think he has the like. It's hard to say that with DJ. Like, I get it. I get DJ's world number one, but I think Rom is just as talented as DJ. I think he. I mean, you can look at the top, you can look at the top four in the world, and you really can't argue one guy is clearly the better golfer than the other other ones, without kind of pressing your personal bias. Because I mean, it's DJ, Rom, Rom JT, JT, and Rory. Rory. Yeah, like you can't really make an objective kind of call out of which one is the hands down best at golf. Um, I, I think mean, you can I make an objective. Pr- I think I, I think those four are clearly in a league of their own right now. Yeah, um, you could you can make an argument that DJ is by far the most dominant right now. A hundred percent. I mean, as far as world ranking points are concerned, he has over a two and a half point spread on guys right now, yeah. which is a shitload for OWGR. Um, and I mean, just his finish this week, even if Rom played as well as he did Thursday and Friday on Saturday and Sunday, he still would have been two shots behind DJ. Like, Rom still wasn't at on pace to beat uh, to beat uh, DJ. So, 
I yeah, mean, I mean, DJ is the clear world number one right now. I'm not trying. I mean, I get that. I I don't know. I I I understand. You're riding for Rom. I get it. Like I well, do. Yeah, but I understand that. I said I think he's the best right now. Like obviously DJ is, but I think I think he, I think he's gonna come into his form and he'll get to world number one. But and hopefully hold it for a while. I'm a fan of him and I think he's got the talent to do it. Um, yeah. I can't remember, and this is probably going to be bad podcasting because I'm sure you don't remember either, but were you saying something like Rom was going to have 10 majors when it's all said and done and he was going to be like one of the greatest of all time? like, Or he is the one of the greatest of all time already? Yeah, it was something along those lines, and I do think he could get a bunch of majors. I think I did say 10. And like he and like right now he's one of the greatest to ever do it. If I remember correctly, when you were saying yeah, that, yeah, I said he's and one he of has the zero majors. He has less than ten wins, and he's one of the greatest to ever do it. <laughs> yeah, he is, bro. Um, you also said the same thing about Brooks that he would have ten, and uh, it's been over a year, and he doesn't have any more than he did when you said that. Did I say ten for Brooks? Yeah. Um, and my exact response is you think his body is going to hold up that long. And the thing that's been kind of holding him back the most recently with him playing good golf is his body holding up for him. Um, and 10's an, an enormous number. I mean, he top 10. I think Brooks is going to win some more majors. I didn't say he wouldn't, I'm, but he has to win six more. <laughs> I, I understand that. Um, and this is a world where people like Colin Morikawa are figuring out how to play the game on a consistent basis and being able to knock out their own forms of majors. And you got more kids coming behind him and DeChambeau is trying to science his way into more majors. And, um, you know, the game is different. It's going to be radically changing. Who knows what happens with equipment? I mean, unfortunately we didn't get Bryson just obliterating certain things to possibly force the hand. This whole Bernhard longer thing is giving people some sort of argument that doesn't actually exist. Um. Yeah, I I had a feeling that Bryson was not going to do that. He wasn't going to blow the field away. He wasn't going to get the ball to be rolled back. Um, although I do think it would have been cool just to see that everyone, all of us had that in our yeah, top story stories. Lines. Yeah. Um, you know, there's still April. He could, you know, do. And who knows, maybe it sounded like in the practice rounds he was fucking doing pretty much what everyone wanted to see, but no one got to see it. Yeah. So all the golfers there could have been like, holy shit. And the members at Augusta could have seen it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows what people with power could have seen what he was doing, you know? I mean, we kind of like, let, let's just flip it right quick. Like <clears throat> if you, f if you swap DJ and Bryson right now, like, DJ had the impact on Strokes gain T to green that you would have expected Bryson to have if it were just Bryson's personality and his technique that would have done it and it wasn't his mind that got in the way or him defeating himself internally, would that have done it? Would a five-shot spread at the Masters and Bryson doing it in the same way that Bry DJ did it, just dominating T to green with long-ass drives and straight-ass drives, I mean... You were saying in the last podcast that DJ is pretty close to Bryson whenever he drives it anyway. So it's it just was. like, is it just, is all of it just about personality and marketing? And all it took would have been swapping those two guys and we possibly would have gotten the rollback that we wanted? I think it's the narrative Bryson has attached to it, his going and 
yeah going out there and like making an effort to gain distance and like putting it on social media and being like yeah it's a clear advantage like why wouldn't i take advantage of the advantages i can have well i think the fact that it's voluntary too right that like dj kind of just was genetically born into his ability right he just has this natural frame and build that um he has his distance into it where bryson wasn't naturally like a giant dude yes he's tall and his frame can hold a lot of weight but if you look at him as an amateur you look at him his first couple years on tour he wasn't necessarily like a huge guy so it just comes down to him basically being like no i've chosen to get huge and you can game the system this way um and i think that would have had possibly the impact that we wanted with just him blowing out the field by five strokes and you know but now if we think about like is this not evidence enough though like with dj just kind of blowing people away because he didn't like destroy the 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 field strokes gain on the other parts of the the equation like yeah he did a lot and he did well in those other parts of the game but it wasn't like he was draining 60 footers left and right like speed does to win majors you know yeah i i i just think the way dj approaches the game is just so much different than bryson so like it just doesn't have that same like effect and dj has 24 wins on tour but like, it's a, it's the same problem nonetheless you know like it's still yeah, i agree i agree that dj is, dj has always been taking advantage of distance that's yeah. the thing it's it's the fact that bryson has chose to make such a huge concerted effort at it yeah yeah speaking of someone else who's super long um but didn't quite find the form out there that we kyle berkshire um, between uh like what Bryce would be doing is um, Matthew Wolf. He ended up missing the cut, and uh, he's someone who we thought would possibly be a mainstay at these majors. Like I, I knew he was sporadic, but he was proving me wrong with two phenomenal major finishes for his first and second starts in majors. And I think if you were to come to me and be like, "Hey, Matthew Wolf is going to be playing in three majors this year: one at TPC Harding Park, one at Wingfoot for the U.S. Open, and one at Augusta when it's soft." which one is he going to do the best at? And I would have told you Augusta soft in November. Yeah. Um, like you said, he plays a draw. I I still think the course sets up good for him. I, I do think too. He's, I think he's going to play well here. I think Friday proved that he was four under after Friday. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. What do you, what do you mean? After Friday, he would have made the cut if he was four under. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Sorry, 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 sorry. He shot a 70 on the first day, so he was, so two, was under. two under. Yeah. There was a point where he was four under on Friday. That I mean, that makes sense. He could have collapsed. Or Thursday, rather. He could have collapsed at one point. Um, Either way, he he was showing decent promise on Friday. Um, I know he was at the top of the, towards the top of the leaderboard. Why do I keep saying Friday? Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I think he'll play well there in the future. Um, I don't know what it was this week. Maybe just the overwhelming fact that he it, was playing in the Masters could have had something to do with it. It was the it was the back nine on, it was the back nine on on Friday. I mean, he came into number eleven at one under, and then he bogeyed, and then he parred twelve, and then he bogeyed thirteen, which is a birdie hole. Yeah, and then he. And then he parred 14, parred 15, parred 16, and then he doubled 17, 
and then he just part 18. So he just left so many shots out there that he was losing strokes in the field. And then he yeah. bo- he bogeyed and double bogeyed some holes that most people are going to be birdieing. So it, and those are the same holes that he, he took advantage of on, on Thursday. He birdied 13, he birdied 15. Um, and that's how you're supposed to be playing those holes. And he, and, and he didn't for on Friday. I don't know what it was. The conditions weren't any more difficult. If anything, you saw Maybe better scoring he was on Friday. On the, like he was on the cut line on fucking Friday at the Masters. I mean, I don't know. But uh, like I said, I think he's going to have some more shots and do better at Augusta. He's had a good showing at the majors this year. Um, I don't know. Obviously, I want him to do well. I thought he would do better than he did. Um I saw glimmers of what I thought he would do on Thursday. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I think he's got a bright future. I think you would take this year as a win for majors for him. Mm-hmm. And you would you, – you know, if if you told him what he'd be finishing for majors this year and you'd ask him, like, hey, do you want to lock this? And he'd be like, yeah, for sure. I'll mm-hmm. take that. So I think it's an all-around win. I'm just surprised at the finish considering I think this was, was possibly his strongest venue – um, maybe his short game isn't the strongest part of his game. And I think, like I was saying about learning the greens versus reading the greens may have to do with it as well. Yeah. Um, maybe Sung Jae's is a clairvoyant and he can just, just, you know, stroll his way around Augusta for the first time and just knock things out. But I, I think Matthew Wolf will find form and play well at Augusta. Who knows? Maybe he has to have kind of the same kind of progressive learning curve that JT had. Yeah, he might have a similar trajectory like that i i don't know i do think he has the game to play well there um but yeah we'll we'll just have to see yeah i i at the end of the day this this major uh this last major of the year in november and and seeing augusta soft like this it just makes me more excited to see it firm again in in april and seeing how it it normally is and kind of seeing recent form of people on the course and and now seeing how it, it pans out, I'm excited to see JT at the Masters now that he has shown that he can really put himself in contention. And it just really took him having to put the paddle down on Sunday and not doing it for him to to be around. Um, and then Rory feels like he is getting more and more comfortable with the pressure of Augusta. And maybe it's because he's a dad and everything <laughs> feels really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Like I, I think that... Everyone talks about him being a dad, but I think this is the first time where it feels like that makes sense. That like, look, the Grand Slam isn't that big of a deal the moment that your priorities are no longer as much about golf. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's some grains of truth there. Um, yeah, I'm just so tired of the narrative about having a kid. Like, that's why I kind of like... I don't like it being shoehorned into other things, but I think this is a logical place for it to be in. I think if you look at his previous finishes... Yeah, when he's 23, 24, 25, 26 years old, when golf is everything and the world revolves around you and how you play golf and you're the next Tiger Woods and you're in all these Nike commercials and you're supposed to be the next coming of, you know, the Messiah um, for golf. And then all of a sudden, like, you kind of get a reality check that, like, oh, my focus is now no longer about me. That might free up his mind at the Masters to possibly get a Grand Slam. I think he's better equipped now than ever to get it, so... Yeah, I mean, he's going to get one. Uh, it could be fucking in April. We'll see. Yeah, so I think that just makes me excited, and I'm actually kind of stoked that the next you know, major will be the Masters versus you know, the PGA normally. And yeah. uh, so that, that – or I'm sorry, it's always the Masters. I don't know what I was talking about. Um, 
but uh you know it'll, it'll it'll be interesting i'm I'm looking forward to it um do you have any coverage takes or anything like that i mean um, it's i applaud the masters for having the ability to watch every single shot um no matter the person or the circumstance so that's super cool i think the masters and augusta continue to innovate their technology side of it as far as um the broadcast itself whether it's through espn plus or espn or cbs you know i could take it or leave it i i really haven't been all too impressed with the actual tv broadcast of these sorts of things i continue to hate nick faldo and his way he conducts himself as a broadcaster yeah he's hard sometimes or most of the most of the time how did you feel about them not letting them use mud ball as a phrase no comment <laughs> I mean, it's an odd move considering that's just what they do normally. That's what they're called. Yeah. And generally, you'd be playing lift clean in place, especially on Thursday, but they just can't have that. Yeah. I. They do weird things, you know, <laughs> like it's a certain hyper traditionalism for the game and authenticity to play the ball as it lies and or how it is conditioned with mm -hmm. whatever's on it and you know we wouldn't get the best content of our lives with people like Bubba screaming mud ball um so you know i like a little bit of chaos yeah i mean it, it's just interesting like they wouldn't even like let the broadcast bring it up or like say it in a way that was phrased like that yeah i feel you but uh, a little bit of odd censorship for sure well, and they're just appealing to, like, such a small group of people with that. Like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, no one's going to care if you say Mudball except for, like, your members. Yeah, I think also there's just, like, a lot of, like, brand value behind Augusta being pristine and perfect. And if everyone's screaming, screaming Mudball all the time... <laughs> They're probably like, of course, we're doing the best that we can. Yeah, well, you know how you fix that is you do lift clean in place. You know, I get, I get, no one's gonna be like, well, it was a, like if, the, yeah, I get, I get the reason why they didn't, but I don't know, it's just bizarre, right? Um, I think that's everything that I was really thinking about talking about and trying to cover, um, f for this portion of it, um. You you think you're ready to to jump into a quick little fantasy breakdown? Um, I I think so. Um, I could bring up Rick for a second. Ah, right. <laughs> um, a T twenty nine. Not exactly the showing I wanted to see from him. Um, not that I didn't really expect it. I was hoping he was going to play a little better. Um. He honestly got way more broadcast time than I would have thought he would have or should have. Yeah, I mean, he was minus four after, you know, two rounds, so he was kind of up the leaderboard at that point. But a fucking 75 on Saturday kind of ruined his chances. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like I said, it was to be kind of expected with how the, the year he's had, which is damn similar to what Spieth has had at this point. Um, yeah, except, you know, I think Rick is on a better trajectory than 
Spieth is at this moment in time. I have more faith that Rick will bounce back and win another tournament than Spieth right now. Yeah, I uh, I do too. Um, Which although me I want to say I want both of them to bounce back and be playing well. Yeah. Um, like we were talking about that 2018 Masters, they were both in contention and it was very fun to watch. So yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, if you want to transition it to the fantasy um yeah talk about that for a little bit yeah with the masters um being in november this year and you know covid kind of throwing a wrench into the normal schedule our fantasy league which normally wraps up with the tour championship wrapped up with the masters this year and so uh our fantasy league is officially finished for 2020 and we have a winner um it's to be expected that it was ando's team he won by nearly 20 points um and um his team Consisted of uh, Jordan Spieth, Tony Finau, um, Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, and the man Henrik Sensen. <laughs> who had the single most negative points in the league for a single person. Um, Max Homa finished off with minus 10 as well, but he had JB Holmes helping him. Yeah, so the way it worked is uh, everyone could exchange or pretty much drop a player and add one player in during the season um that was just how we had the rules played this season and ando chose not to even get rid of St. hendrick senson he had which faith was, yeah he had faith in the boy which is uh surprising considering he could have probably picked up someone else and had a little bit higher score not that he needed it i mean um, he could have picked up cameron smith and done great this week and i think considering that cameron smith had won the sony this year he and he had you know been playing decent golf yeah that uh you know could have been an option could have been an option yeah either way um ando demolished the whole rest of the fucking league um we had a little bit of fireworks for second place um there was definitely kind of three teams kind of battling it out at augusta um this week for it um between uh clint's team um international fantasy fusion uh, or i'm sorry uh ryan's team international fantasy fusion clint's team um <laughs> clink's dynasty and my team pacifica we there was a few different combinations of the leaderboard at augusta that could have resulted in either of us winning it um with me having patrick cantley and xander shoffley just outside of the top 10 and with dj possibly not winning there was a way for me to get second there was tons of ways for ryan to get second and with uh with Clint's uh, DJ getting uh, the win, but Kisner missing the cut, he wasn't able to sneak into that second place. So Ryan maintained the second place that he had for and the majority of the season. We had a narrative going, like, because I hadn't done the scores officially, because we do this by fucking just hand, essentially. Um, we were under the impression there was a tie for second place for about, you know... A day. Yeah, a day or two, and... Yeah, I, when I finally tallied it up, uh, needless to say, there was someone who was happier than the other person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, so Ryan got his second place, which um, I'm, I know he was happy about, and then uh, it was uh, it was a real close battle um, yeah. between him and Clint. I mean, his his team definitely earned it at Augusta, and uh, y- you know it. 
he 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 deserves second with how well John Rahm and Webb Simpson played this year, which were his two biggest earners, you know. And you know he had Abe Anser and Tommy Fleetwood actually playing pretty well at the Masters and had a chance to get into the top ten as well. So there was tons of different storylines that could have ended up with him maintaining his second place. So he was comfortably in second place for most of the season. He definitely deserves it. Um, this kind of just reinvigorates me and gets me fired up for for next fantasy season and and building out another spreadsheet for power rankings. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for drafting. Um, like I said on the last podcast, I always enjoy drafting a good old fantasy team, whether it's in football or golf or whatever it may be. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, we brought up their two teams. But, yeah, Kid's team was in fourth place, and he had a good showing from the boy Sung Jay. Yeah, no, no one on my team had negative points, which is the only team that had um, that be the case, which was, you know, a small victory for us. We picked a good squad. Um, I traded uh, Sky Scheffler for Daniel Berger, which I think was a logical choice at the time. And I think had I kept Scheffler, I would have actually had more points. I would have probably gone up two or three points. Um, he was just losing some points for you. For yeah, and I, I had time. to make a I had to make an executive decision. Um, and it was the week before the PGA where Scheffler was like in contention the entire time which was kind of frightening but him and daniel berger ended up getting the same points for that event but yeah i mean super proud of my team sungjay obviously ending the season on a great note showing that he is a, a force to be reckoned with you know if it weren't for dj just being dj you know he would have been in a playoff with cameron smith um can't lay you know the steady the steady um ship that he always is Zaner Shoffley having the high ceiling that he does Hideki kind of doing Hideki things like kind of being um, a phantom at most events, but then kind of showing some promise and some form, you know, he was playing pretty well the first two days of this event. Yeah. The guy just will always have that battle with that putter. Yeah. I mean, he's a fucking ball striker, but God damn, can he not putt? I mean, I honestly think he would do better on tour if I just walked in and started started putting for him. Um, Dave, I'm just taking a, taking a look at your team here and, yep. uh, I, I have a feeling that next fancy season, your team's not going to really look like this. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling your first pick probably won't be, uh, LT gray. No, it definitely won't be tiger. Um, I definitely did that joke pay off for you. Do you feel like, do you think you got what you want out of it? Like I said, I really love drafting teams, and it definitely at the time it added to the whole that podcast and the night just as at a whole. I think everyone kind of enjoyed that move, but uh, yeah, no, you know, I can't say I enjoyed having him on my team at all this year. He didn't really play much, and he didn't really do much for my team because he ended with absolutely no points. Not he didn't have negative points, which is possible, but he didn't have any points. Either. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I do like my rookies I had on my team. Um, my boy Matt Wolf, Victor Hovland, and Marikawa. Um, Marikawa fucking killed it. Um, he had an outstanding year. He got a PGA Championship win, which helped me a lot. Um, and then I had Leishman, um, who replaced Chucky three sticks. Um, neither both. of them had a really great season. I got Leishman after he had his win, yeah, which made me think he was going to have form this season. 
um, or this last season. Um, but after that, he just started playing like shit, and it didn't really help my team at all. Yeah, you got a tough break there for sure. If he had had the season he had before, continuing to go forward, he probably would have moved that yeah, from being I mean, a minus six to probably being a positive six or maybe even an eight. And uh, you're looking at not 12 points for your team, but probably closer to like 32 or 34 points for your team. It wouldn't have changed the outcome really, but it would have at least looked a bit more competitive. I mean, who knows? Um, those, the like US Open loss and the Masters loss is, you know, 10 points right there. So, and having a, a healthy Leishman might have changed those. Well, I mean, Leish played pretty good at the at the Masters just now. And I mean, you didn't have Leish for the PGA, did you? Yeah, I did. Oh. I've had him since before COVID. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I got him before COVID when he was playing well, and then COVID happened, and he's played just, just like shit. Jeez. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, picking up the rear of the league – um we got deservedly raw speed with one point for the team and uh and then the Longfellows with the first ever negative points in the league which is honestly a pretty remarkable feat um with the with the team uh spearheaded by the duo of Adam Scott and Bubba Watson and then kind of carried up the rear with Brooks Koepka coming in late in the season with some points, and Paul Casey rounding out with one point. And then a hefty Matt Kuchar negative six points, and then losing at the U.S. Open with his matchup and the Masters loss as well. Is Matt Kuchar just slowly on his way out of fucking I would pro think, golf? I would think so, yeah. I mean, I made the prediction that he won't show up in a broadcast next year, <laughs> which I think is honestly like an extremely ambitious and risky uh, prediction considering that the broadcast loves him and everyone's like Gooch. but if there's no fans for the first half of next year who knows maybe he will completely be forgotten I think he'll I think he'll show his face in some tournaments but uh, I think he is slowly uh, he's getting his older out. his yeah. game has never been one that's going to have like a a ton of pop and staying power with how the new game is but uh, you know it was a it was a rough break for for those two teams. Brooks didn't play enough this year for Jimmy's team to to make a lot of headway, and then someone like Justin Rose not really performing for Raw Speed didn't really do too well for 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 Brand's team, considering that Justin Rose was I think his second pick. Um, so Justin Rose just had an awful year. Yeah, for someone who's consistently usually you know a top fifteen, top ten player in the world. But I think he's also kind of in that similar boat of Kuchar in the sense like he's probably just a couple, he's probably like three, four years behind Kuchar in the sense of like he's going to start fading too. At least I think he he will. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the general breakdown of, of the league. Um, congratulations to Andy on his uh, his fantasy league. We'll be setting up a, uh, another draft here soon and about it's a month to be and a half, noted that DJ was the top producer in the whole league um, with 38 points. Yeah, he, he went and done it. Yep. And then behind him is DeChambeau with 31. So. And then JT with 29. So. And nope. those are not the top three in the world, but the top three in our league, but two of the top three in the world. Rom. 
Yeah, I, well, Bryson will or keep no, climbing. Rory has 18. I think Bryson's world ranking will keep climbing when his older scores expire. Yeah. Um. So I think Bryson is going to keep trending up in the OWGR if he keeps playing the way he is now. He might get a couple, you know, rough, you know, goes of it at places like the Masters sometimes where he'll play some kind of off competition or uh, tournaments, but he he'll keep climbing. There's I just don't see a world where DeChambeau right now with how the game is him faltering too far down the world ranking. Yeah, no, I think he's gonna be in the top ten for a while. Um but yeah, I mean pretty you know I think considering how kind of up and down the season was for golf this year and, you know, it was hard to get a narrative going and some momentum going with the league, you know, considering all those factors, I think it was still an entertaining one. I think people had a, a, a good time. Um, what it comes down to now is that we might get some fresh faces in the mix. Yeah. Um, hopefully next add season. a couple new guys from uh, Louisiana. Um Maybe they'll want to talk on the pod a bit once they uh, get in the mix in the fantasy league. Um, they both have shown interest in that in the past. Um, just haven't get some new it. personalities. Yep, um, I do think a couple guys in the league might need to be replaced, anyways, because uh, there was lack of interest and care on their parts. So uh, yeah, or or just see someone's enthusiasm restoked or something like that. And yeah. I mean. There's definitely room to expand the league. There's no reason that anyone has to leave. It's just a matter of maintaining and showing enthusiasm to stick around. Yeah, there's just, you know, um, stick it out is all I'm saying. Nobody likes losing money. Nobody likes their team not playing well. I don't think it's a coincidence that, uh, you know, if a team isn't performing well, you don't, you're not happy with how the league is going. But Yeah, and I think there can be some changes made to the league that may help that out. Like if we were able to add and drop more people, you know, this was – this is only our second league, um, or second time doing a golf fantasy, and the first year I think we bit off a little more than we thought we could chew, or bit off a little more than we could chew. We there were ten guys instead of the five we did, and uh, you know it proved it, it proved to be, you know, a little harder to uh, just get maintain. It going. And we had it broken out by top tens were their own points, top fives were their own points. Yeah. Um, so this year we kind of dropped it down to half the amount of guys and simplified, simplified it, it a little yeah. bit. But uh, I think we could do something similar to how we did the scoring this year, but maybe, you know, make it to where we can add and drop a couple more times throughout the. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think maybe you can break it up by the majors, like. You can have an ad, an, one ad drop before the first major, and then you can have one ad drop after the first major between the the second major, but you can't, like, if you don't use that first ad drop before the Masters, you can't keep them together. You just have to, like, yeah. use them in that I, time frame. I, I agree. I think there's some tweaks that can be made in making it a little bit better and people being able to adapt and change their teams a bit more. I think it should be said that that let's just take Jimmy's team for example with the negative one point. He never traded at all during the season. That was what what I was saying, like from the lack like of showing commitment to even want to. Yeah, but I anything. mean, I think it. I think it really came down to 
you know, this season being weird and certain guys not coming out and performing. And yeah, like Adam Scott not coming stateside for a while to play any tournaments. Paul Casey, you know, Matt Kuchar kind of being a no show. So there, there was, there was definitely some, uh, some. Yeah, I mean, COVID played a lot to do with that, and I'm not saying that those. If it was a normal season, those guys definitely would have played more golf, yeah. and it could have been a whole different story. But yeah, every iteration of each season of the fantasy league we can make tweaks and things will get better and you know anyone out there that has any suggestions of how they possibly do their fantasy leagues that's really fun different mechanics you know we added these major matchups this year between teams that you know the second seeded team would play the last seeded team and the third seeded team would play the you know the sixth seeded team that was a fun dynamic i thought those team to team matchups were a fun little quirk thing that was added and you know, little things like that that can kind of mix things up and possibly give people a chance to kind of bounce back in. And I'm actually kind of open to the idea of possibly creating some sort of function within the league that could possibly prop up the person who's in last, sort of like in Mario Kart, where if you're in last, you get the best items, whether it's the star or the lightning bolt or whatever. You know, in the league, if you're in last place, you get to have maybe eat at a major. If you're in last place, you get an extra guy or something like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, the way that works with fantasy football is you like normally you get the priority on the waiver wire that following week, so mm-hmm. they get their first pick at the guys that you know did well that week that no one had or whatever. Yeah, I think they should get some sort of star lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> you get like your opponent you are playing for the matchup. You get to pick one person on their team that doesn't get to get like they get points for the year, but not in your matchup. So maybe like they get points for the league on their team, but for as far as your matchup goes, they're one guy short and you have all of your guys. Oh yeah, that's interesting. Or like Yeah, or they get an extra guy only for the team matchup for the major, or they get to take one of your guys for the team matchup or something like that. Or I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and I think like, Or they get to choose who I they want to play with for the, the matchup. Team matchups, instead of just the loser minus five, they get plus five. So like you taking away that one guy from their team, it helps you in the matchup and it potentially bring you five points because you win that match. Yeah, and I mean, this season two, Andy kind of was able to buy each major, right? Yeah. So, like, maybe just to kind of possibly put some more weight in first place is, like, you want to be in first place in the league, but you can't win any points during majors in the matchups. But you can't lose any either. But people that are in matchups can win points. Yeah. So, I mean, that could be a good gravitational force to pull top down and push bottom up a little bit. So that could be a cool kind of equal, you know, some some sort of thing that forces a balance. Yeah, I mean this this fantasy league isn't perfect by any means, but I think we're slowly getting a grasp on it. And uh, and and there's just no fun automated alternatives out there that yeah. are that are compelling. They're all built around the same kind of mindset that other fantasy sports and things work. And I think drafting a team and having a season long thing and monitoring and having the same guys you're kind of rooting for kind of makes golf more intriguing and you actually spend more time learning about those guys too and learning like getting to know them better and better you know i i i can say you know i could say for instance that like i have never been the biggest hideki fan in the world i've never mm-hmm. like really rooted for him at, at tournaments and I, i've never really liked his game that much just because he was such a nightmare to watch on the greens but i mean i was rooting for hideki this season and it was amazing watching him strike the golf ball and like rooting for those things and just 
being amazed to see him just flag every fucking everything out there and then just watching him miss a bunch of fucking six footers. Yeah. But you know, it, that that's, that, that's kind of the cool dynamic with, with fantasy though, is rooting for guys that you wouldn't normally root for because at the end of the day during draft day, like if you're good at fantasy, it doesn't matter whether you like the guy or not. You pick the guy that you think is going to be the best thing for you. Kind of to Clint's point where like, I hate the guy, but I chose Patrick Reed kind of thing. It's like, well, yeah. you should, he's a really good golfer, but I would never. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, overall, the Masters was, uh, we're glad we got it. You know, I think everyone was happy that it happened as opposed to it not happening, even though it was in November. Um, we got a great champion out of it. Um, I'm glad DJ got a second major, and I'm glad it was at the Masters, so he'll be coming back for as long as he wants. Um, and, yeah, uh, I'm stoked for April. You know, it was kind of just, it was almost like the fucking tournament before the memorial you know that marikawa one it was at the memorial although yeah the work day yeah it was at memorial like it wasn't quite the memorial but it was close to it like this wasn't quite the masters but it was close enough yeah no for sure i agree and look i'm happy that we had this versus not having it and i think dj deserved this major i think dj deserves to at least have four majors. I think he's played that good of golf. He's gotten some tough breaks. He's had some shitty, you know, instances with the USGA. You know, he's definitely choked his fair share out there, but And he's taken them in stride. Like he's had these rule shitty rules rulings. And he hasn't become cynical out of it. He hasn't become kind of a crybaby about it. He's just shrugged it off and he goes out and he'll, he'll just coast into wins like this one. You know, there's been some dominant performances out of DJ in the past, whether it was this one of the Masters or if it was the recent one during the playoffs or if it was that Tournament of Champions win or there's just so many tournaments where you just see DJ play and you're you're thinking to yourself, I'm like, is there anyone better at golf on the planet? Is there? And, you know, there's a compelling case to be made that, you know, his his skill ceiling is higher than anybody else's out there and I think you're really talking about the four guys that we were talking about earlier right now that are going forward in the game of golf that you can mm-hmm. propose any sort of argument against that. But, you know, I'm excited for the 2021 season. Um, I know there's some still some fall season golf and stuff coming up, but as far as I'm concerned, I'll, I'll keep an eye on leaderboards and I'll keep an eye on if things start developing. But I'm definitely going in hibernation until the Tournament of Champions and draft day, and uh, I'm looking forward to that that pod. Yeah, me too. That'll bo- most likely be when we uh, podcast next. Um, it'll go by quick. Um, but unless there's something significant that happens or there's some tournament where... I mean, it's pretty much the, like the same time between our last pod with the U.S. Open. Yeah, I mean, generally we podcast when something, a cool tournament's happening or, you know, a random really good Sunday appears up like arises you know i mean i think people may be wondering if we're gonna pod the match 3.0 um i've got to say i i don't have a ton of interest with steph curry and people steph curry peyton manning uh phil mickelson and charles barkley when is that supposed to happen i think it's thanksgiving weekend yeah i mean 
I don't know. Maybe I, 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 it depends on how it goes. The match two was great. Yeah, maybe you know? maybe subbing Ryan for me on that one. He, yeah. he that's his cup of tea. And uh, you know, uh, I love Steph Curry. I do. Um, you know, we'll see how the product is. Maybe maybe it's worth doing. But uh, it could be a fun, easygoing conversation. We yeah, definitely need it to all do depends more of them. on. I think it all depends on how how the actual golf is. You know, if it's cool to watch or not. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, appreciate anyone who's still here listening to us. Uh, sorry that it came out so late, but uh, we got it out. And anyone that is still frothing over the Masters, fucking more power to you for listening to this whole fucking thing. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and I think having some distance from it too gives some more perspective that you kind of have let the dust settle. And it's like, okay, what's now important in retrospect? Yeah. There's also the small little things that you do forget about in in the moment like right after yeah but all that stuff has been talked about you know like other if if you're listening to our podcast you listen to other podcasts that cover this sort of stuff and uh then they've probably talked about it that's true that being said if you only listen to our podcast for golf podcasts holy shit (laughs) (laughs) all right appreciate y'all listening peace